Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Well, I want to welcome you back to week four of this series we've entitled Beyond. It's really more than a series. It's a spiritual journey that we've been on together as we are taking steps individually to learn more about what it means to serve this beyond God. Really, the series has been about the greatness of our God and his ability to bring us into who he is, what he wants to do in our generation. And so we've been learning about how to go beyond as individuals and learning about the steps that we can take as individuals as we walk with our great God. But second of all, we are also, as a church family, in a place where we're moving beyond where we are to where God's taking us. And so it's an individual step, but it's a corporate step, it's a family step for us as a church family. I'm gonna ask you if you have your Bibles this week to turn with me to Mark chapter 12. We're gonna start in verse 41 and look at an interesting story that really shows us something more about the character of God and how he puts value in places sometimes that we don't see. Very excited about this moment for us as a church. Uh, If you came in, you saw a commitment card and if you're new, you say, why are you doing this as a church? Well, we're, we're doing it for you. We're doing it so that more people can come in contact with the person of Jesus Christ and he can change their life for all eternity, but also he can change their life every single day. And so we're making room and making space. And so we'll come back to this little card at the end of our time together today. We set out many years ago to build a church that was authentic, that was life-giving. There wasn't just a large gathering of people that passed each other in the process of just doing spiritual things and going through the motions, but we set out to build a church with a big heart. With a big heart that thought beyond where we are today, in fact. We dreamed about the day, by the way. This is a generational moment. Students, we're doing this for you. We're doing this for you. And we're so proud of you for taking time and taking this weekend. And We believe in a world today where there's pressure to live a certain way according to the world's standards. We believe that there's a generation that will stand for the purposes of God. That you don't have to succumb to what someone tells you on your iPhone is what God's standard is. That you can live out the principles and purposes and desires of a great God who has a great plan for you, who has marriages in store for you, who has relationships in store for you. He's the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you can right now make the decision to live a life that has generational blessing. That has generational blessing. Always get excited about these moments because we dreamed about moments where we could come together and we could not just live for ourselves, but we could even see a generation come behind us that would take it further and farther than we ever would. This week we're gonna talk about, and it's really cool, I don't think we really planned it this way, but it's cool to have these students here with us because it really illustrates my message. We're gonna talk about leaving a legacy. We're gonna talk about not just living for you, but living in such a way that you leave a deposit on those around you and you leave a legacy. You live a significant life, if you will. I'll talk about 
those two concepts a little bit together. In this journey, we've been learning about God, though, and we learned in week one that we all want to know God's will. We all do. Every one of us want to know what God thinks. We want to know where he wants us to go. We want to know what he wants us to do. We want to know our purpose, and we want to know his will. What we've been learning in this journey is that there are things that we desire and those desires are put in us because we are created in the image of God, but many times we don't, we don't know how to access it. We, we don't know how to get it and we learned the first week that to know the will of God, you have to be willing to surrender. You have to be willing to live open-handed that according to Romans 12, it starts with offering yourself as a living sacrifice. The problem with living sacrifices, they keep crawling off the altar. We have to keep coming back to him saying, it's all about you. I'm surrendering myself to you to know his will. The week two, we learned that we all wanna hear the voice of God. We all wanna know God's voice and we want him to speak to us to encourage us, to comfort us, to guide us, to teach us, to direct us. But we learn many times the reason it eludes us is are we predetermining that we'll obey what he says? I've told you in this journey, as I have at every step we take as a church family, my desire for you is that you would just hear his voice and do what he says. Predetermined to do whatever he says. Last week we learned this, we all want God to do the impossible in our lives, but the question is, are we willing to put what we have, our lunch if you will, we learned from this story that's in all four gospels and referred to and the disciples actually forgot it and Jesus reminded them, are you willing to put what you have in his hands because when it's out of your hands and in his hands, he can bless it He can multiply it, he can do with it exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ever ask or think. This week we're gonna talk about something we desire and that is we all wanna live a significant life. We all wanna leave a legacy. We all want our lives to count, we want it to matter for all eternity. But what we're gonna learn is is that to do that we have to prioritize what God prioritizes. We have to make what he says is most important, most important in our lives. We have to take all our little agenda items and then we have to take and put what he wants at the top of all of those things, to seek first his desires. We're gonna talk a little bit about how to make that real practical in your life because I know it's something that we all really want and we desire. Many years ago, again, we set out for a desire to build an authentic environment. In fact, my prayer has been many, many times, God, protect the innocence. If you wanna know sometimes what I pray privately is I've even even more so recently, God, protect the innocence of this environment. The innocence, the childlike excitement. God, what are you gonna do today in the life of someone? So we've been telling you these stories telling you stories of people who met Jesus, people who came into a service and they felt God's presence for the first time, they were changed. Stories along the way, stories of like Norman, I watched it again this week, Norman, 92 years old, I love it, I love that part where he says, but I I got a Jesus, I got a Jesus who's gonna take care of me. It just, it's just amazing the stories. Last weekend, just like, Bam, bam, 
bam, just story after story, agnostic person who was all alone contemplating suicide, people from far around the world who had a different religion and people that did not know Christ who came to know him. Well, I thought we might take a little trip down memory lane. I might show you my friend's story who it's heroes like this that have helped to make this environment what it is. And I'd like to show you the story of Ed who goes all the way back to the early days. And I want you to see this thinking about a significant life. Watch my friend Ed Summers. I did not give my life to Christ till I was 58 years old. Pastor Jeff led me to the Lord, and that's what it's all about. Being in these journeys that we've been on through the years of Milestone, God has always provided in ways I couldn't have imagined. In the early days of the church, we were in the cafetorium at that time. It was just phenomenal the things God was doing at Milestone, I was a witness to. I could see the weekend tendons grow and it was obvious God had done something very special. The cafetorium to Mercy Lane to 1709 to Mount Gilead. Yes, there were struggles, bumps in the road, some doubt, some fear. There were times when I would sit up straight in bed at two o'clock in the morning thinking, well, God's gonna have to come up with a whole lot of money pretty soon. And we got kids in college and I had doubts, but looking back, we took that step of faith and God showed up. Blessings that have come upon us with our kids, with our investments in our business, that is just priceless in the return that we get for participating in these campaigns. We went through the same steps in every journey we took. It's not about the building, it's about seeing how God works through me. That vision impacts people. Every baptismal weekend, I tear up. That's why we walk the journey, is to be able to make it possible for people to experience the saving grace of our Savior. When I depart this world, other people are going to take the baton and run with it and just do amazing things. The joy and the blessing that we received participating in each and every campaign we have done far outweighs the things that we might have done with those resources. That's so important for me now because I feel so blessed to be able to see kids at an early age be ministered to and carry this beyond our lifetime to where they would impact God's kingdom in such a mighty way. I'm excited to see how God is going to use me and Patty again to accomplish what he wants to do through Milestone.
life heroes all around us. Mr. Ed, love you. Miss Patty, give them a round of applause. They're right here on the front row. Now I gotta give a little correction to Ed's story. He said when we were in the cafetorium, God was doing great things. I don't know if you've ever done church in a cafetorium. It's, uh, it's kind of an interesting kind of place to do church. And uh, well, we just believe God would do great things. <laughs> you know, I was there. Um, in fact, I love to tell the story one weekend, a little bit before Ed came to the church, uh, I'll never forget it. The air conditioning was controlled from a remote location in a cafetorium. So whoever was controlling it in a Texas summer was asleep at the wheel. I probably had a three-piece suit on. I don't know why I was wearing that in a cafetorium. Maybe to feel significant since when I would preach, people would get a Coke during my message. Do -do 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 -do. Brother, we're trying. We're trying here. I was wearing a three-piece suit, probably. It's burning up hot, Texas summer. It's ladies' faces are just melting off in front of me while I'm preaching. So they opened the back doors of the cafetorium to let a breeze in. During my message, I heard jingling. I thought somebody maybe had change in their pocket. They were dancing in my message, which I thought would be even more awkward. Uh, but I didn't know where the jingling was coming from, but it was actually the, the collar of a dog. A dog ran in during my message. It literally just The usher grabbed the dog, threw it out the back. I was quick on my feet. I said it takes one level of gifting in a three-piece suit in a hot cafetorium to draw people from Keller into that. It's a whole nother level to draw the dogs off the street. Come on, somebody. I say that, that really happened, that did really happen. I say that because I have to be honest with you, I, I stand on the front row of even a service like today and I think, I can't believe I get to be a part of what God's doing. I, I, I wanna tell you, I almost quit that day. I really did, and two or three other times. I almost quit, I almost just said, you know what, this isn't possible. That afternoon on that Sunday, my wife, in fact, I was over there sulking. I don't know if you ever have those sulking moments, you know, just see end times, God has given up on me, you know, I don't know. <laughs> my wife had to lean over the counter there and say, get over it, honey. You know, I needed somebody just to help me kind of shake out of my discouragement. But I wanna tell you, no matter where you're at, God is faithful. God is faithful and he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what we could ask or think. I'm gonna ask you in Mark chapter 12, verse 41, I want us to look at a story here that I think touches all of us when we come to a beyond moment. It says here in verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. There's a courtyard there and I think it's interesting, Jesus' desire to sit and it says here, they were putting offerings there and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. So, so Jesus was watching. I think about that a lot of times in my own life. Jesus is watching. He's, he's watching what I do from the right heart. He's watching what I do from the wrong heart. Jesus is always 
watching, not in a way that he doesn't love us, but he's observing us. Don't, don't ever think that whatever you're doing, this happens to be an offering moment, but really it's about life. Jesus is watching what's going on. He's watching the crowd there and he's watching them. It says, and many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, he brings his disciples aside and he says, I want you to interpret here with me what's going on. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Is the Bible giving us a pattern here to say that he was telling his disciples that really the only way to please God is to go sell everything you have and give it to the treasury? I think it's, it's, it's way bigger, a lot more than that. It's not even really that. It, it's the heart. It, it's the heart. And I know even in our journey here, for many of you, it's like I, 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 I know because this is the kind of church you are, this is the kind of people you are, as many of you said, I, I just want to know that, that God's pleased with what I'm doing. You know, God's pleased with us. He's pleased with us. He likes us. Really, the greatest treasure is that he has a relationship with us. In fact, not long after this, Jesus is going to go and there's going to be the Last Supper and he'll be crucified and he'll die and he'll raise from the dead. In fact, when we talk about a significant life, the most important decision that you'll ever make. In fact, it could be said that a significant life starts with the most important, significant decision you'll ever make. And that is to put your whole life in the hands of Jesus. That you can't define yourself, that you can't direct yourself, that your greatest plans pale in comparison to his desires for you. See, it's really a significant decision, the most significant decision, to put your whole life in his hands that leads to a significant life. We, we are his joy. We are his desire. But yet, when he sees the purity, that's why he uses a radical example like a widow. A widow being someone that would be the least likely person to be celebrated. The least likely person that Jesus would highlight. For widows were, were seen as someone who, who probably were one step away from death or just finding themselves totally outside the picture. I have a heart for widows. The Bible tells us that that's pure and undefiled religion. I have a heart for single moms. My grandmother became a widow at 28 years old when my grandfather died in a car accident and raised my dad and his brother. I have a heart for them and here's what I've learned after reaching out and by the way, by your generosity, we help hundreds and hundreds of single moms and here's what I find when I interact with them. So many times they have very little expectation that they can even be part of the family. They believe and you would, you, I'm amazed by it, they believe when they come into a church atmosphere that they actually would be not accepted, that they would be shamed for the decisions, the hurt, they're different than everyone else. Is this just about widows? Is it just about single moms? No, what it's really about is that God measures, God calculates, God's pleasure looks different. He looks at the heart. He looks at our hearts, in fact, 
It could be said this, God sees past our gift and he sees to our heart. He looks at our heart. Significance flows out of the heart. You say, I wanna live a significant life. Well, how's your heart? How's the inside of you? Do you spend the majority of what you think about, what you talk about as critical or speculative, cynical, obligated, or do you find yourself just going, Man, I just, this is so good, God, I'm so excited for what you're doing in my life. I can't believe I get the opportunity. Do you spend the majority of your time when you come to moments where God says, hey, I wanna, I wanna move you from where you are to there, do you spend the majority of your time thinking about where you've been and the hurts of where you've been? Or do you think about where he's taking you? I know when we come to these moments, a lot of people say, you know, I, I don't know, man, the church is growing, it's getting bigger, you know, it's, what's gonna happen? Are we gonna lose the innocence? Look, I'm praying that with you. In fact, I've always said, you can be the answer to your own prayer. If you keep, a church is not its buildings. A church is not its programs. A church is the people. What I love about you is your innocence, and if you keep your innocence before God, if you keep that widow's heart, here I am, all I have, if you keep that, then, then, then we're not going to get hard and cynical and distant, and I'm keeping myself in that place. In fact, by the way, some people say, well, the church gets big, you know, what if Pastor Jeff gets weird, gets a pinky ring and a wig? I understand, I know you think that, that's why I just say it. I know you think that. Remember, I started at 21. Every, every step along the way, if the church has any success, then the pastor's gonna get weird. I've heard this for years. Well, let me tell you about my picture. My picture and my, my, my esteem doesn't come from how many people I preach to. The picture in my heart is that when I lay on my deathbed, that my spiritual sons and daughters and my natural children say, thank you for the deposit you put in us. We've got it from here. I know that's what you want. I know that's what you desire. That's the picture in my mind. That's been the picture since I was in my early 20s. In fact, when I turned 40 or so, I had a friend of mine say, it's interesting how you talk about this legacy thing. I said, look, I didn't start at 40. I was a weird person. In my 20s, I started thinking about leaving a legacy. And, and if you start thinking, young people, you start, you're building your legacy today by how you date. You're building your legacy today by how you relate to others. You're building it now. We're all building it today. So let's talk about it practically for just a minute. How do we live a significant life? How do we leave a legacy? How do we do that? Now some of you are like, Pastor, could you not think of how to phrase this and that's why you put both? Well, the truth is it's very intentional. Because when you're younger, you're thinking about significance. You're thinking about, by the way, you're really asking yourself the question, Am I successful? That's what you ask yourself. You don't admit it to anyone at parties. And by the way, that's a, that is something that is a goal that is unobtainable. Success will leave you dry, empty, and a shriveled heart. Live for significance. Live for significance. But young people, all along the way, it's like, I wanna know if I'm significant. And by the way, as I've interacted with lots of young people and I have teenagers and one in college and one headed to college, I wanna share with you something I've learned. I've learned that never before is there a generation who's asking the question, can I be significant? I think I thought about it, but they're afraid 
of whether or not they will be significant or not. I, I don't know. There's probably lots of factors because we've told them you can do anything and you can be whoever you... I, I don't know what it is, but young people today have a great level of fear. Will I live a significant life? At some point, you start transitioning to go, well, how will I be remembered? How will I be remembered? Do the people who know me best, do they value and esteem me most? You start thinking about a legacy. So really it's both, just depending on where you are in the continuum. You say, how do you do it? Number one, people who live a significant life and leave a legacy, we prioritize differently. See, we prioritize differently. We think about life differently. In fact, just think about us as a church. It's crazy, it's mind-blowing that a church would say, we're gonna give $15 million to people we've never met. We're going to give and build and open up space and reach more to people we don't even know. It's crazy. We prioritize differently. That's not just for us as a church, that's for you. If you're going to live a significant life, let me tell you, this Bible is counterintuitive. It, your mind will tell you, be afraid. This Bible says, perfect love cast out fear. Your mind will tell you, oh no, protect yourself. This Bible says, give of yourself. Live your life outside of yourself. This Bible will cut against the grain. That everything in you says, seek your best. Seek your position. This Bible says, go low. That the least, that the widow is who Jesus watches and esteems. That's what it'll do in our lives. Your natural self will stir up offenses, will stir up unforgiveness. The Bible says to us to forgive, to let it go, let it go, get it outside of ourselves. We prioritize differently. We look at life totally different. The second thing is, if you're gonna live a significant life is we put our heart in something. I'm talking about our heart in something bigger than ourselves. It sounds inspiring to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Sounds inspiring, but it requires choices in our lives. It requires understanding, and I'm talking about something bigger than Milestone Church. I'm talking about the kingdom of God, the agenda of Jesus, yet at some level you have to express that, and God places you in an environment with a family, with people at some level to express the kingdom of God. But really it is that the kingdom of God, Jesus' agenda becomes really big in your hearts, becomes something that you make a big deal. And then you learn what your part is in his heart. I find a lot of people don't even know their part. They don't even know, they, they many times minimize. Can I encourage everybody listening to me this weekend? The power of the step we're taking is that all of us bring our part. It's, it's, it's amazing when every person just brings their part and we see what he has on his heart. It's amazing what, what begins to happen. God takes that, he multiplies that. In the area of giving, practically speaking, I love 1 Chronicles 29 is a cool story. I'm not just trying to grab from the Old Testament to make it just about buildings and things, but yet the Bible does say that God doesn't live in temples made by human hands, but that he does build us as people into living stones where we become a dwelling. So you see, the fact is buildings are just barns to take care of sheep. 
find the lost ones and bring them in and feed them and take care of the ones. They're just, they're just barns. But the, the bigger picture of this in the Old Testament was the power of a people who were building his kingdom and it was expressed in one moment in 1 Chronicles 29 through what could happen through all of them together. I love it. David actually says that it starts with the heart. He says this, he says, moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of my God. I put my heart into the house of my God and I've given to the house of my God. So here's how the pattern worked. It shows this pattern. David set his heart on the agenda of God in that moment. I set my heart on the house of God. Then the leaders went first and they offered and David brought his own Then the leaders went first and then the people came behind and there was this overwhelming outpouring that began to happen and God's thing that he was building the temple at that time, it's just, it's, it's overwhelming as you read the chapter of, of this power of something bigger than one person. So you see, our, it's bigger than our part, but our part has something to do with what God's doing holistically. And I love when David's reflecting. David reflects after this supernatural moment and he actually says to God, he says, I understand that you look at the integrity of the heart. You, you see the integrity of our hearts and he says, we're actually just offering back to you what you put in our hands. We're just bringing it back to you. I love not just in moments like this, this is what's really cool about this moment is vision becomes clear, hearts begin to be revealed, hearts get stirred up, the power of the local church coming together in unity brings God into our midst in a tangible way and that's what's going to happen. I wanna tell you, God's gonna provide for our next step. My prayer all along has been, will you bring your part in his heart? Because why does God do that? Not because he needs our money. Last I checked, God's not broke. Why does God do it? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you know what I love about it? It's not just in these moments. You know, we're gonna move past this moment. We're gonna get resources. We're gonna open space. Our next big moment, our all-in, everyone church moment, is gonna be to serve this region. We're gonna have serve day. I remember the first time we did it. It's such a tangible picture of the power of every person bringing their part. People bringing all kinds. Did you know we still need more projects, but we have over 100 projects already. 35 area schools that we're gonna show up and make a difference in. Projects all over. I remember the first time we did it. We all wear red shirts and talk about serving. And I mean, I've, we showed up at the church, you know, there's everybody, there's, there's people got chainsaws and weed eaters and sewing kits and one guy had like one of these six-wheeler hunting buggies over here. I passed by that. I'm thinking, brother, what are you doing with that? He said, I just felt like the Lord needed it. I told my wife, I'm doing this for Jesus. You know, I bought this thing for 10 grand, you know, to help the cause <laughs> of God. Praise the Lord, brother. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but it's amazing. I mean, the, the, the city council members called, the mayor comes and says to us, look, our city's different. We cleared every code violation. What is that a demonstration of? It's a demonstration of every person having that heart. Okay, Jesus, okay, Jesus, you can have my weed eater. You can have my time. You can have my Saturday. You can have my hunting buggy. You can have it all. It's amazing. It's powerful. I'm gonna tell you, you know what I want for you? Is I want you... We had over 400 people, right at 400 people, baptized in those waters right there this year. 
Did you know what? There'll be more next year. There'll be more in those waters and you'll come to church that Sunday and you'll be a little discouraged and you'll have a little going on in your life and you'll have some things. Of course, we're gonna do like we always do and pray for you and encourage you. But what's God really wanting you to do? Get you outside yourself and see someone's life transformed. And I want you to watch those baptisms like Ed watches them. I want you to see them and say, you know what, Jesus did that, but I'm so honored that I get to be a part of what Jesus is doing in that person's life who's going under the water. You see them different when you're a part of what God's doing that's bigger than you. The third thing is we sacrifice for something that will outlast us. We're living really for something that will outlast us. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is building his church, bigger than Milestone Church. He's building his church, that's what he's building. You're like, what's Jesus doing? Everybody's like, what's Jesus doing right now? He's building his church. He's reaching people that are lost and bringing them into family and training up people in the area of marriage and equipping people and raising up the next generation so that they can walk in purity. That's what Jesus is doing. And so every time, I'm not just talking about just giving, Every time I offer my part, when I offer my gift, when I offer my heart to Jesus' church, I'm investing in something that will last for eternity. Every time you invest in people, I'm talking about significance here. Every time you invest in people, you're investing in something that will outlive you, you, that will outlast you, that will go beyond you. There are companies that are no longer around. There are all kinds of things that will pass away empires, Alexander the Great, by 20 years old, he had cities named after him, was one of the most dominant conquerors of his day. And quickly, his trending profile in history began to decline. And really, your legacy, by the way, starts after you're gone. It starts after you're gone. Doesn't start, you start building it today, but it's after you're gone. And, and Alexander the Great, as dominant as he was, even at an early age, his trending profile online, his followers, they just began to decline. Here's Jesus. I'm talking about investing in what Jesus is doing, building his kingdom. Jesus, after his death, had just a few hundred followers, had a ragtag group of fishermen that he poured his life into. I'm talking about God sees different and counts different. Jesus today, millions along the way, billions along the way, followers of Jesus. Talking about living and making choices that are different and are counterintuitive. I saw this story about a, a canoer. This guy, Bill here, Bill Havens, he was a, just a top level canoer. 1920s, he's winning every single event and in 1924, he was going to the Olympics, and it was a given that he would win the Olympics. He would win the Olympic canoeing, and this was at a time where they took a boat to the Olympics in Europe. There was one problem before he went to the Olympics. His wife was pregnant with a child that he didn't know one day would be his son, and while his wife was pregnant, everyone was like, look, we've got your wife taken care of. This is no big deal. You can miss this, and so his wife is supposed to deliver right at the time where he's supposed to leave. And yet he makes the choice to be there for his child and turns down an Olympic medal, which very few people get. 
Because of the choice, I want you to see the letter from his son, Frank, says, Dear Dad, thanks for waiting around for me to get born in 1924. I'm coming home with the gold medal you should have won. I'm coming home with the medal you should have won. Your loving son, which I think is the most powerful part of the letter, your loving son, Frank. See, his dad could have won a medal and his son won a medal. I mean, that, that doesn't make the story powerful. What makes the story powerful is we see the prioritization of what the real medals are in life. Well, what are the real medals? Who are the real champions? Who are the real heroes? Not always the people that everyone celebrates. It's the things that are seen in private. It's the things that no one ever notices that many times lead to a significant life. Here's what I wanna encourage you with. Every single one of you have the opportunity. Children, young people, singles, Single dads, single moms, widows, you all have the opportunity. This, this moment as a church is just a small little moment in history. It's a big moment for us, but it's a little small moment for us to keep moving our hearts toward what Jesus is doing, but it's so much bigger than that. So much bigger than that. Living a significant life means prioritizing differently, being a part of something bigger than you, it's bigger than the part you play, but you get great fulfillment because you play a part. And it also deals with us living for something that outlasts us. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 